I love this story of a man who was in a desert and all of his water had run out. He's lost and he's trying to find his way and uh, he thinks he might die of, of thirst. And as he's crawling through the sand, he sees off in the distance what at first he thought was a mirage. There's this shack off in the distance. And so he, he begins to go through the process of crawling over to the shack. And it turns out it's not a mirage. It's actually a building. And inside the building, to his heart's delight, he sees that there is one of those old-fashioned well pumps that's there. He's so excited and he just feverishly goes over and starts pumping and pumping and, and no water comes out. And, and so he's heartbroken, doesn't know what's going to happen. And he looks around this little cabin and he sees this small bottle that's on the side, a, a water bottle that had a lid and he, he begins to open it up and he's starting to be ready to just pour it down his throat and he sees a little tag on the side and it said, this bottle is provided for you to prime the pump. That's, in, that's here. So, and, and then after you're done using it, make sure you fill it back up. I love that. So, uh, so he has a choice to make. And, and you know what's interesting about our life choices? I want to finish this story, but you are going to, they say, make some three quarters of a million choices in your life. Can you imagine that? And, and what they also say statistically is that you're going to regret about 150,000 of them. Congratulations. You made a good choice this morning. You got out of bed and you uh, did not hit the snooze button and perpetually. Way to go. That's usually our first choice every day, right? Am I going to get up and get out of bed? Well, this man in the story, he's got his bottle and he's got to make a choice. Am I going to trust that, that this thing, maybe there's a break in the pipes or who knows what's going to happen when I pour this life-giving water down it? And so he says a little prayer, dumps the water down. He starts to pump it and the water comes up and it flows out of there. And so he's refreshed and he also in the room finds a map and he's able to go to safety. But, but on his way out, he grabs a pencil and he writes on the bottom of that note after he refilled that container that said, make sure you drink it. This is for you to prime the pump and that um, make sure that you refill it. And he says, it's true. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's true. I want to encourage you this morning as we study God's word together that we're going to see that our lives are filled with choices. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about a surface choice that mattered in that time period. A, a challenge that not too many of us struggle that much with, food sacrificed to idols. But I think as we study this passage, for some of us it's going to be familiar we're going to recognize that God's word's given us what we need. God's wisdom has provided for us the necessary resources that we need to make really good decisions. And we have to be honest, we make lots of decisions these days. My friend is a superintendent of a school district, and he said that pre-COVID, he made, um, he, he said during COVID in one week, he's had to make more decisions during the chaos of this time than he did in an entire year prior to COVID. And I think for some of us, we recognize, we, we, they call it decision fatigue. Have you heard about that? that? That in the midst of our decisions, sometimes it feels like life or death choices that we have to make. Some of you, this week, you've scheduled appointments with me to say, hey, I'm wrestling with my employment or restrictions that are placed on me. What's God have to say about how I make these decisions? Or what does God have to say? And we wrestle with this truth. But let me just remind you, in the life that you and I live, Discernment is required. 
We have to be people who make good choices, but what's great about it is we can get better at it, that God's given us the resources we need. Let me share with you a few passages of scripture that almost talk of this as a skill. They talk of it as a gift, and I want you to see this, that, that we can be confident of this very thing. Uh, I love this simple truth, that, that the Lord Jesus has given us what we need. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, his divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You know what that tells me? The good news is God has given us what we need in order to make good decisions. I think it's, it's helpful for us to remember in the midst of these decisions that we can grow in it. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may be able to approve what is excellent. He goes on to say and elsewhere about this concept of discernment, but solid food is for the mature, but for those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. Isn't that a funny phrase that these are powers that we have? And these are gifts from God in order for us to be able to choose and to discern how we're going to live. And I love this statement, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may be able to discern what is, what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable. I love that last phrase, perfect. There's not a lot of decisions that feel like they're perfect decisions these days, right? I like to call them 53% decisions. I take all the data, my pros and cons, and I wrestle with what we ought to do. Even sometimes things about the church that we, we wrestle with, we seek the Lord's will, and often it feels like we're, we're making the best decision that we can with the data that we have. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom. But at times, now this is confession time, and I'm going to ask you to join me in this. Some of you know what I'm talking about, that, that through this last few years, especially with the pandemic, that We've all had to make decisions about, are we going to eat out? Are we going to mask up? How are we going to deal with vaccinations? How are we going to make these, some of these really difficult decisions that we've had to wrestle with? And you know what's fascinating that I've learned is that, is that I know exactly why I made the decisions that I've made. So, so we've, we've prayed through, we've made these decisions, and I know exactly the, the choices that we've made as a family, but, but what I've also noticed is that if anybody made a different decision about that than what I have, it kind of bothers me. In fact, it makes me grumpy sometimes. It actually, sometimes, none of you can relate to this, that, that, it, that it agitates me because I know why we've made this. And if somebody's a little more conservative on something or a little bit less conservative on something, they do it just a little bit. It, it upsets me. And I want us to understand as we study the Apostle Paul's teaching in this area, he's going to encourage us to understand our decisions as being rooted and established in God's truth. Thankfully, he's given us his truth. And also that we understand that it's saturated in a love and a compassion for other people. He's going to challenge us this morning to set aside our pride. And he's going to challenge us to set aside our, um, our pride and our preferences. 
And in that process, he's going to remind us that it's our privilege to care about those who are around us because they're watching the decisions that we make. They're watching the choices that you and I make, and especially those of us who identify ourselves as Christ followers. I, I, I want to I celebrate the fact that God's given us what we need to make good decisions. I, I also want to remind you, even as we're just diving into this, I I had somebody this week, and actually multiple people from our Hope Church family who said something to me like, hey, um, I, I've been told, or I read an article about this, that this preacher was talking about vaccinations, and that vaccinations are the mark of the beast. And, and when I heard that, I just I want you to understand that this is really important. When we say things like that, what that person was saying was that they were being persuaded by something. And way I will always respond to you if somebody says something is, what does God's word say about this truth? So, so have you studied God's word? Have you opened the book of Revelation and where it talks about the description of the mark of the beast and what happens during the time of tribulation? And you know what it boils down to is you don't accidentally take the mark of the beast. You don't. It's not an accident. It's, it's actually a form of worship, and it has huge implications, and it's going to happen someday. And so we don't diminish that it's happening, but, but the story, the one article that I read, it just ripped my heart out because the person was doing it to, to gain something that was selfish and misunderstood, and at the end of the day, I just look at it, and I go, what's God's word have to say about it? I hope for you, if you're a Christ follower, that when you wrestle with these things, you don't start with the voices that are influencing you in your life and neglect the simple, powerful truth of God's word as the foundation of understanding truth. Sometimes I am not as vocal about certain things and that frustrates some people. But part of the reason is that I wanna be a person who recognizes that God's word is powerful, it's authoritative, it's clear. And there are times when we can stand back and go, well, that ain't it, right? That that doesn't represent the heart of God. And so when, they, when uh, the Apostle Paul in the passage, if you have, with, have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. I am loving this study. It's been so convicting to me. But in, first, in the first, chapter 8, in the first verse, he says this new topic that he's going to talk about. And it is now concerning food offered to idols. Now, uh, you see this, this topic to be discussed, and, and we're going to recognize together, as we study this together, that not only has God given us what we need to make good decisions, but, but the, the discernment's going to require us to set aside our pride and our preferences. Now, concerning food sacrifice to idols, it's, it's kind of a challenge for us because we don't have this same experience in our culture very often. You and I go to Giant Eagle, and we get our meats, and they've been packaged, and we almost forget that animal animals were involved, right? Now, you know, when I was in Africa, um, there was, there was a, a time we were in a, a bus with some friends, and I saw a monkey that was up in the trees, and I pointed it out to our host, and he said, we have a great saying here in Liberia, that is, monkey in the tree today, monkey in the pot tomorrow. That's pretty crazy, yeah. Uh, we had friends from Burkina Faso visit us, wonderful church leaders that were with us here in, in uh, Cleveland. And they, at the end of their time, pointed out the fact that one of the things I asked them, so what, do you, what, do you, what, what strikes you as unique about Cleveland? And I thought they were going to talk about our amazing weather um, or our football team or something like that. They, they, said, they said, you know, what we, we're fascinated by is there's all this meat on the side of the road. And they were talking about the deer that you and I drive by every day, right? They, 
So in this time period, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, meat was not as common. It was consumed uniquely at times in ceremonies that were uh, ceremonial offerings as a form of worship to pagan gods. There were a bunch of pagan altars that were around Corinth. And often what they would do is they would take a portion of a sacrifice and they would sell the remaining portion of it. So there were ceremonies. It's, it's helpful. We'll get to this later. But there's a description of some ceremonies that were worship ceremonies that had a feast afterwards. And later in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to go, you don't have any place there. Hey, Christ follower, you don't, you don't even go there because you, you don't need to be a part of the idolatry that's a part of your culture. That's a good lesson for us. There's some places we just don't need to go to. But, but he goes on to say, for those of you who are trying to wrestle with, so, so basically what would happen is that there were some people in the church in Corinth who had been a part of those ceremonial processes. They, they understood whenever they saw meat that it was probably connected to one of these ceremonies. And so it, it made it not a meat issue, but it made it a religious issue. What, what is my decision? How am I going to handle this? And when I go to the market and I buy meat, they didn't have those really nice labels that we have that say where it came from, right? It doesn't describe the details. So it's possible that you'd go to the meat market and you'd purchase a meal or you'd purchase something and it had been sacrificed to an idol. And so we're guessing that they wrote a letter, a note to Paul, and they said, well, what do we do about this? Then Paul's answer is going to be so helpful to you and I when we wrestle with our modern decisions that we have to make, because he's going to teach us how we have discernment in a world that requires us to make decisions, decisions that inherently have an impact on other people's lives. And so I want to encourage you and remind you, the first point this morning is that discernment the ability to choose and to make wise decisions requires setting aside our pride and our preferences. I, um, I wanna, and I'm going to ask if we can go back to the slide that has this quote that defines discernment because I just love it. Joe Stoll defines designs, um, this, this concept of discernment so powerfully for me. It says, discernment in scripture is the skill that enables us to differentiate and what I like about that is often in our lives, we have to wrestle with good and better or bad and worse. So it helps us to differentiate. It is the ability to see issues clearly. We desperately need to cultivate this spiritual skill that will enable us to know right from wrong. We must be prepared to distinguish light from darkness, truth from error, best from better, righteousness from unrighteousness, purity from defilement, and principles from pragmatics. So how do we do that? Well, Paul's going to teach us how to do that. He's going to use the example of meat sacrifice to idols, but it's going to have a powerful application for the tough decisions that you and I have to make every day. I think discernment requires setting aside our pride and at times our preferences. Paul, Paul says this, now concerning food offer, offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. There's a reason why in the ESV that's in quotes, that he's probably referencing some of their minds, even the words that they said. And Paul's going to say that their minds have puffed them up. Have you ever seen a balloon that gets too full, that it makes it to the point where it can't handle air anymore, and then it pops, right? We've all seen this. We've all experienced this. Well, what he's saying is, that Warren Wearsby puts it this way. He says, for some Christians, when we receive knowledge, it builds us up. 
And for others, it inflates our heads to the point where they're ready to pop. <laughs> I love that description. We, we receive this information and he says, okay, I know, I know better than you. Or I am the smartest man in the room. I know, I'll, I'll just share with you. Eight years of college, I had the privilege of studying God's word under some really gifted teachers. And the day that I walked across the, the platform to get my degree after eight years of, of school training, I, I will tell you that in that process, when I received my degree, the thought in my mind was not, I am amazed at how much I've learned. But instead, the thought that was crossing my mind was, I have so much more to learn. There's so much more that I know nothing about. I need to continue to be a lifelong student. And here, what Paul is saying is that for some of you, this knowledge has puffed you up. But then, then he, he shares with us such an, uh, an awesome idea, and that is, but love builds up. Church, if you want to make wise decisions that are sensitive to those who are around you, who Paul's going to call weaker people, or people who are at a different phase in life, or have had a different life experience, you need to have at the epicenter of your decisions, loving kindness. Love builds up. But if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. I think it's important as we learn, pride and personal preferences can distract us from what is essential. I think that some Christians grow while other Christians swell when it comes to information. And I think one of the things that, that I have to be honest with myself in these days is that, is that it is easy to surround myself with people who agree with me. So, so now we're in a, in a decision-making process, and I can tell you, if I have a big decision to make in my life, I can, I can kind of pre-select people who are going to reaffirm the decision that I'm going to make. Do you guys remember, uh, those of you who are um, old like me, that we, remember before iTunes, that if you were going to download a song or, or record a mixtape, that you had to wait until it was on the radio, and you had to time it right, uh, to where like when it's played on the radio, you had to hit record at the right moment. <laughs> And often you like got the end of the song before or you got, some of you are laughing with me. We remember this experience. And you know that today in the world that we live in, you cannot just select the musician, the song, but where they played it, when it was played in history with this accompaniment. And we can customize the voices that we listen to. And I'll just remind you that there's a, a temptation in that to surround ourselves with people that are going to reinforce what we already believe. And, and so here, I think that that knowledge that Paul is kind of mocking here is he's saying, yeah, you think you know it all. And more than likely, there's a group of people who are connecting together and they were just reiterating these truths. We know this. This is how it's supposed to be. And this is how we ought to respond. We don't even know how they were dealing with meat sacrificed to idols. But what we know is that Paul is going to challenge them and he's going to um, encourage them. And I love this statement. He said, it's that when we seek God's will by setting aside our own, we can learn, we can love, and we can be humble in the application of God's truth to allow us to remain teachable. Some of us in this room, we're fixed people in our mindset. We, we say that this is how it is, and it's always going to be, and there's nothing that's going to change our minds. And I'm not sure if that's the mindset that God is encouraging us to have. I think in this case, Paul doesn't have a theological reason not to eat meat himself but he has a compassionate reason not to eat meat himself because he loves his brothers and sisters. 
So for me, I have to recognize that my preferences, my appetites, my biases are things that I do not want to allow to be the foundation of the decisions that I make, but I want love to be the thing that is at the foundation of the decisions that I make. Second point this morning is that discernment requires understanding God's truth and God's wisdom. When we talk about God's word being a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, I think it's important that Paul is going to emphasize this here. In verse 3, it says, But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And I think it's, it's, it's so good. For some of us in this room, we're going through circumstances in our life and we're going, does God really know what I'm going through? The answer that I see in the text today is, oh, he absolutely knows. He's with you in that hospital room. He's with you in the circumstances that you're wrestling through. Do I make this move? Do I keep this job? Do I make this transition? Do I marry this person? That, that the Lord knows our circumstances, and if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And I think it's helpful, I say it often, that God cares more about us figuring out his will than what we do. That, that God wants us to have wisdom, and God cares about us making good decisions, and I think he gives us what we need in order to do so. Verse 4 says this, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know. Now, when he says we know, I think that he's saying, according to God's word, we know that this is the truth. We know that an idol has no real existence and that there's no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, whom through who, through whom all things and through, and through whom we exist. What a great phrase. So he's saying, I understand who God is. We understand that these idols that this food is being sacrificed to or being set aside to, that they're just nothing. I, I enjoy Thai food. I love um, local Thai food places. And sometimes you'll walk in and they'll have this, this little altar that's set up to, I, I've asked questions about it. Often it's to a president um, that is a ruling person in the community. And there'll be a little food offering that's set aside up there. And I when I walk in there, I'm not engaging in an act of worship, but I'm aware of the fact that what they're doing is just, they're wasting some really good food, right? Like that they're, they're just setting this aside in order to honor something, and it's cultural, and maybe it's religious, but, but, but you watch this, and Paul is kind of looking at this from a distance, and he's saying, we know that they're not worshiping God. Um, we, we understand that they're confused about what they're doing, but, but what we also recognize in that process is that we recognize that, that we have to be people who have the ability to discern, to make wise choices, to understand the simplicity of God's wisdom, and to make decisions based upon our understanding of that truth. So, so discernment, um, the way Tony Robbins puts this, um, is that discernment is um, significant in the process of choosing how we allow others to influence. He said, uh, you, who you spend time with is who you become. And I love his challenge. Change your life by consciously choosing to surround yourself with people with higher standards. That's his challenge. I, I think here, when we see these 
individuals wrestling with this decision that, that Paul's going to clarify that these, these are no gods at all. They're, they're, they fall short of, of understanding the description of who the God of the universe is, his decision, his will, his wisdom. And so, yes, they look at these gods, lowercase g, and they are no gods at all. They're nothing compared to the God of the universe. And so he puts it in its right perspective. And then he also recognizes that, that there's a wisdom that we can have that recognizes the decisions that we make. They are going to inherently impact the lives of other people. Verse 7 um, shows this. Our discernment requires considering the greater good. Um, verse 7 sur surfaces and says it like this. However, not all possess this knowledge. So he's already said they're just nothing. They, they're, they, this is not a form of worship to the one true God, but they're nothing. But however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So, so Paul is making a theological statement here that what we know through even his journey as a Jewish man that had certain foods that we wouldn't would not eat based upon his worship that he understood through the new covenant bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is that there's great freedom for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is that there were people who were now in the church that had previously been a part of those, those worship ceremonies, those pagan rituals, that they were a part of that. And so ultimately what Paul's going to say is he's going to say, those things can be a trap for those people. So he's not saying that they're worshiping a true God, but the description, the word is really fascinating that we're going to get to. It's, if you, you think of one of those giant bear traps that you've seen with the big, the big teeth that are nasty, and he's going to say, it, it, we use the word stumble in English, but he's actually going to say that it's like the trigger to the trap that's going to entrap those people. And he's saying, you and I can be that for someone else. That we can be someone who triggers, that, that entraps them, that helps to spark them to do something that, that is a compromise of their faith, that is a discouragement. So you know what Paul's basically saying here? He's like, I'm just going to give up my rights. Not because they're not my rights, but I'm going to set aside some of my rights for the sake of my weaker brother and sister. I'm going to care more about their outcome, their faith, their betterment, than I am to decide what is my preference what is my privilege? What is my right? Now, it's important for us to theologically understand that it doesn't mean that they're never going to teach that person the truths of the new covenant and what it means to be forgiven and set free and how we can be a new creation. And uh, that's not, not what Paul's saying here. That's coming. But at this phase, what he's saying is, I'm willing to set aside my rights. Why? Because I care about the person who may find themselves stumbling over my decisions that I'm going to make. He says this in verse 9, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. I think that's really important. Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Then he goes on to, to put it very bluntly. He says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge, 
This is Christ followers. You, you've, you, you know the truth of the gospel. You've been blessed to understand what it means to be forgiven and set free. But if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? If his conscience is weak to, let, to eat food offered to idols, and so by your knowledge, this weak person is, look at what the text says. It says, they're destroyed. The brother from whom Christ died Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. I think it's important for us to accept our decisions, your and my decisions today, this Sunday in history, in October, have either a positive or a negative impact on those who are around us. I love the story. It's a terrible story, but I love the story of one of my good friends in seminary. His name was Scott Lear. And Scott was um, unfortunate um, in the fact that he grew up in a home where there was zero religious influence, zero Christian representation. His, his parents did not know the Lord, and they never influenced him in any way concerning God's word or truth. Such a different story than my story. But Scott, at one point, and I think it was his senior year in high school, he was a really gifted football player. Scott, in his senior year of high school, he, um, he had a, f a parent of a friend from school who shared the gospel with him. That, that, that day, Scott accepted Christ, and then he ended up being invited to go to that family's church. And when he goes to church on Sunday, he starts to look around, and he realizes in the youth group that there's all these kids that went to school with him, and they were partying with him the week before. And so he's looking around, and Scott tells the story of one of them was a football player, and at one point, he grabs this kid in the locker room, he throws him up against the locker, and he says, why didn't you share with me the truth about Christ? Like, it's a real story. He did, like, he, he was physical about it because it was so personal to him. But when I, as a friend, know Scott's story, like, part of this was that he stands back and he says, wait a second, you know the truth, and yet you made decisions that ultimately were like that bear claw that were entrapping me. I'm stuck in that world. And, and you know how to help me get out of that world. So, so when we talk in, about, about 1 Corinthians as a series, we've been saying God wants us to come as we are. That is so important when we come to the gospel. But the truth of the gospel and what Paul keeps emphasizing for disciples of Christ is that we don't stay as we are. And so Paul is going to say here, sometimes you just got to give up what is a right of yours because you care about a person that you're worth, you, that you care about their betterment, you care about their story, that maybe someday as a weaker brother, they'll be able to understand. And so he is saying, I am willing to give up my love for meat. I'm willing to give up my preferences, even what it fits my appetite. Why? Because I want to love my brother. I don't want to be a part of destroying them. So here, Paul is saying our decisions will have a positive or negative impact on others. And I think it's appropriate for us to say that you and I need to be selflessly willing to set aside our preferences for the betterment of others. I think at times we've seen stories. I think of the, the assassination of JFK, the, the images that came out of that. And, and as you, you see that historical event that had taken place, you know that there was a sniper involved. And uh, don't worry, I'm not getting into the controversy of all that. I'm just, I'm talking about what we saw happen. That someone shot something that, that did great, great pain in his life. It killed him. 
And, and I think in the Christian world that we live in right now, with technology, I think with the skill of a sniper from a distance, what is happening so often, and I see this happen a lot, is that there's decisions that we make. We read something online and then we re-quote it. Or we like something online in such a way that other people see it. And we feel like we have the security of a sniper from a distance that we're not personally, actively involved. We're just saying we like what they said. I want to challenge you as we wrestle with a world where everything is public, where it's remembered, where it's quotable, where there's screenshots and information... That if you don't want to say, if it doesn't represent the love of Christ, then don't like it, okay? Then don't promote it. Don't share it. Because some of those things that are shared are despicable. Some of those things don't measure with the heart of Christ. Some of those things don't represent us well to people outside. And I say that not to be rude, but to say, we have to be people, whether it's how we eat or whether it's what we share or it's what, what voices we surround ourselves in, we have to be very careful to recognize that for some that either don't yet know him or who are growing in their wisdom and knowledge of him, they just need us to understand how to help them to avoid the destruction that's possible in a world that's deeply broken I love the way Paul puts this in verse 13. He says, this is so good. He says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. He talked about the weaker brother. That, that phrase isn't that great in English. And understanding it in Greek, it's helpful for us to understand. They're just missing something. They're lacking something. They may not have had the life experience. They may not have the wisdom that you have. But so, so isn't it an awesome truth? He's saying this really isn't about meat. And I think for some of us, we can fill in the blank of so many controversial, challenging things, face masks, vaccinations, how we deal with alcohol, how we wrestle with where we will and won't go, what, what jobs we have. All the, we, could, we could go through a thousand things today that require discernment today. And, and I want to affirm you and I want to challenge you that, that it's appropriate for us as Christ followers, if we truly love people who are around us, to be willing to at times set aside our freedoms in order to be able to care about the needs of other people. And I love uh, Pastor Donald Schaefer used to talk about this as his order of priorities in his life. And he said it was joy, Jesus, others, and self. That's his conviction in his life. And I think Paul is modeling that here. Jesus, others, self. I don't know if the Apostle Paul loved meat like I love meat. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of a sacrifice this was for him. But what I will say to you is he is saying in his own words, I will never do it again if it helps to care for and show love to my weaker brother. So our culture, wherever we live, promotes um, this is the, an emphasis for each one of us to kind of focus in on our rights, our, our responsibilities, and our privileges. And I, I think that there's parts of that that are important. But I also want us to understand that at times it is very wise for us in compassion and wisdom to care about those who are watching us from the outside. Are we encouraging them or are we tearing them down? This next picture might hit a nerve for some of us who are Indians fans um, because it's not the Indians celebrating a trip to the World Series, but it's another team celebrating a trip to the World Series. We've seen this in the news the last few days. Teams are clinching uh, their tickets to get into the playoffs. And um, but what I love about this picture is we, we've seen a version of this a thousand times, right? The champagne bottles are popped and 
everybody's celebrating, whether it's in a locker room or on the field, the, the story. But, but if you look really close here, you're going to see that what's in their hands is not champagne, but it's ginger ale. And the reason why it's ginger ale is that one of the guys on the team had been a former alcoholic. He'd really struggled with alcohol. And in recovery, one of the things that he, he said this, he said, I can't even touch the stuff. I can't even have it touch my skin and I'll, or I'll be tempted to return back to. And so what you're seeing is a celebration of people who, who are his teammates who decided, hey, we're going to set aside our preferences in order to care for our brother who's got this issue in his life. And I'll tell you, that description is, is the heart of what we're talking about here. So, so are there times when I'm willing to not eat something or at times eat something, that's not my preference. Of course there is. And, and are there times that I don't go to a place or that I choose to go to a place because I think that it honors the love of Christ? Of course there is. And I think that for each one of us, this ancient lesson that, yeah, let's be honest, we're not too worried about the uh, meat market that we go to, that, that an, an animal was sacrificed to an unknown God. We, we can't relate completely to that situation, but we absolutely can relate to a world that's around us that has different values than we do at times. A world that's around us that's made up of Christ followers, some of which who have to make really tough decisions with the data that they have. And, and, and the reality is some of the people that are a part of our church family make different decisions than we do with the same data that we have. And for some of us, that not just agitates us, it could almost destroy us. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to recognize what it means for the Apostle Paul to say, in love, at times, I'm going to be willing to set aside my pride and my preference in order to advance the one true God. Isn't that an awesome image? Isn't that a simple, powerful truth that discernment in life is required? And sometimes I need to consider those who are stronger than me, who've had other experiences than me, and at other times I need to be willing to care for those who are weaker than me. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for that, that illustration that I began with, with the man who's um, looking for the water and who finds it, and then he leaves the bottle filled for the next person who comes along. We recognize that as Christ followers, we are on our own journey. We are wrestling with our own life experience, and you've given us great responsibility to care well for our own lives, to make wise decisions, to eagerly seek your truth, to, to be able to have the wisdom, to let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you for that journey. I pray for every one of us in this room that we would understand what it means to walk with discernment as it impacts ourselves. I also want to recognize that, that our families, our co-workers, our peers, our friends, our children, our parents, that they're watching the decisions that we make. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people who allow our faith to be at the epicenter of the why behind what we do. Lord, that our understanding of your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that you'd give us your discernment, and that we would understand what it means to keep moving forward amidst your truth and your love. We thank you for your word that promises us that it will not re return void. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ here that are wrestling with what it means to be obedient with you. 
I also pray for those who have yet to place their faith and trust in you, that today is an awesome day for that. I thank you that as we, we pray um, for, for this little Elijah, this, this precious life that you have given, um, Lord, that his story can be our story as well, that we pray that you would draw us to you, that you would help us to make this recognition that you died so that we do not have to die in the same way. We love you. We thank you for this morning. And as we close this service out in worship and praise to you, I pray that we would do so in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.